there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Reading from two passages this morning, first from Luke 1, 26 to 35 and 38, and then also from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Abriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And from Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her uh, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfil what the law has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks, Peter. Hey guys, what an exciting day to be at church. 22nd of December, that's the date today, right? That day in 1996, I got baptised. So that's pretty exciting for me. Thanks for sharing that with me. Um, Yeah, it's so wonderful to be here today. I'm Sarah, I'm the Associate Pastor here at Kerry, and I'm bringing you the word today. Uh, We are in the final... Advent service before we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus with our Christmas Eve and our Christmas Day services. And it's my first Christmas here at Kerry, um, and I'm pretty excited about it. I hope you can join with us. Um, But looking back over the month of December, I don't know if you've picked it up yet, but we have been going through some of the characters in the genealogy uh, of Jesus as it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, week one, Pastor Pete took us all the way back to Abraham and Sarah, and we heard about the promise that God made to Abraham to make him the father of many nations. 
Now, according to that genealogy, that was 42 generations before Jesus was even on the scene. 42 generations. Now, week two, Pastor Mark told us about how one great act of bravery and obedience by a woman named Rahab, who was known as a prostitute, who was an unlikely hero, he told us how she was in tune with what God was doing despite her lifestyle and how she risked her life to hide two spies and how that changed the course of history. Last week, just a few generations on from Rahab in the genealogy, Brian told us about David and Bathsheba. Now, they are a great example of how we are all most likely to have dodgy people in our family tree. Anyone with dodgy people in their family tree? A few of us. A few of us. Most people. I'm pretty sure if you went digging enough, you would find somebody. But King David, he had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba, but who was surprisingly, he was still known as a man after God's own heart. And this morning, I get to tell you about a very ordinary couple whose crazy obedience and faith led them to birthing the baby of the hour, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, whose birth split history and the calendar into two, and whose presence in this world literally changed everything. I get to tell you Mary and Joseph's story. But to start off the morning, let me, let me start with a question, and this isn't rhetorical, I want some feedback here. How many of you are naturally planners? You like to write lists and tick off your things, yeah, that's awesome. Um, if you had your Christmas shopping done by the end of winter, you are naturally a planner. Own that, be proud, it's really cool. Um, who here has not started your Christmas shopping? Yeah, you guys are not naturally planners, and in actual fact, I don't think you should even be in church today. I think there's uh, some things that you might need to be doing straight after this. Um, but whether you're a planner or not, who knows that life can sometimes go in a different direction to what you had planned? Who knows that? Yeah. Who knows that that can be a little bit faith-rattling at times? Yeah. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt that simply based on the number of people who are here today, that there are many of you right now who are facing something that you didn't plan. And it hurts my heart with how many people I know who are now job hunting, you know, who had never, been, who'd never planned to be looking for work in their life. I know so many people, and I know that you probably do as well, maybe you're one of them, who say, I didn't plan on having a medical battle at this point in my life. And there are some of you who, unfortunately, as you go into Christmas, it's supposed to be like the best time of the year, and you're thinking, I didn't plan on being separated at this time. That wasn't what I thought would happen. Now, for some of you, this year there will be an empty chair at Christmas dinner for the first time. And someone who you thought would be there with you this Christmas won't be. And you're thinking, this isn't what I had planned. And in many situations, when we face things that we didn't plan, it can really knock you. And it can even rattle your faith. And sometimes you may even find yourself wondering... Okay, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen? This isn't what I had planned. What's going on? 
And so this morning, we're looking at Mary and Joseph's story. And sometimes it's easy to think that everybody is familiar with the story of Mary and Joseph. But maybe you're new to church today. And so firstly, I want to say, hey, welcome to Kerry. It's really great to have you here. Um, It's great to celebrate today with you. But secondly, maybe you're just not that familiar with the Bible. And um, if that's the case, I encourage you to read a little bit more about the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 and 2, that's where it's at. Now, if you don't own a Bible today, whether you're a regular at Cary, whether you're new today, we actually have Bibles over on the information table that I would love to gift to you. Just one, just take one, you don't need all of them. They all say the same thing. But just go over to the information table at the end of the service and grab one of those, and that's our gift to you, and you can check it out for yourself. But in the books of Matthew and Luke, what you'll find is just a few paragraphs describing what took place over months and months and months. And if you think about it, we know a little bit, but there are so many things that happened in the story that we just don't know about. For example, if you write a yearly Christmas letter, which I know some of you do, which summarises the last year of your life with just three paragraphs, you'll likely hit the highlights. But there'd be detail after detail after detail that are not in the highlights, right? Because you just can't fit it all in. And so what I want to do today is just imagine together about some of the details that we don't have access to, but it's highly probable that something like this happened. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, you'll figure it out as we go. Um, For example, how did Mary and Joseph meet? Now, we don't have that recorded in the Gospels, but they met somehow. And so I kind of just want to make up and read between the lines if I can. And certainly this isn't exactly what happened But if you use your imagination, something like this happened. Now, Craig Grishel has done a brilliant job at filling in some of the details in between the highlights. And because he is way more creative than me, I hope you don't mind, but I've borrowed some of his creativity this morning. You've got to give credit where credit is due, right? But let's start with this simple question of how did Mary and Joseph meet? All right, now we're not told, but... Let's pretend it's Friday night and Mary goes to the synagogue uh, for youth group because, you know, she's a teenage girl and that's what she would have done because she loves God. Uh, And there was a youth leader and, you know, he was teaching that night and his name was Joey. All right, you with me? All right, Mary and Joey, Joseph, all right. Come with me, come with me. Now, Joey is charismatic, he's passionate, he's teaching from the book of Isaiah about the coming of the Messiah, and Mary and her friends are kind of looking on, and they're trying to focus on God, but they they kind of just can't help but notice he's really, really cute, you know? And uh, when he teaches, his face does this kind of funny little thing, and he's really, really into it, and she's like, oh, he's amazing, I wonder what he's like. Well, after his three teaching, they're kind of hanging out in a group and Joey walks over to her group and the next thing you know, they're talking and he kind of thinks she might be interested, but, you know, there's no way. I mean, she's a couple of years younger, you know. Well, he starts asking her questions and she finds out a little bit about him and, 
oh my gosh, he has a job. This guy, he makes furniture. The last guy she liked was unemployed, still living with his parents and addicted to his Xbox. But Joey, this guy's got potential. Now, the evening's over and she's kind of thinking about him and she wonders, is he interested? Oh, probably not. Well, he was interested. In fact, all week long he's praying and thinking about it and the next week he musters up the courage, puts on an extra couple of squirts of deodorant and afterwards he asks her out for coffee. And she's like, oh, is this like a friend coffee thing or is this like a something else coffee thing? But they agree to meet at the Nazareth coffee shop because they're going to keep it local, you know. And they're sitting across from each other and they're hitting it off and they're enjoying it all. And they meet up again and before long she meets his parents and he meets her parents and they like each other and they're spending lots of time together. Then one day, every love song on the radio just makes sense. She can tell this is going somewhere and when he buys her that stuffed penguin, she knows he's totally lost it and he's totally into her. She has no idea that he's been saving up all of his furniture money and eventually he goes and buys her a nice diamond ring and he takes her on this walk one night. The sun is setting, they walk across the bridge and she's thinking, could this be? I don't know. The next thing you know, he's got the photographer with his distance lens hiding in the, in the distance to catch that Instagram moment. He kneels down on one knee and he says, will you marry me? She kind of acts surprised, but she decides, or she's beside herself with excitement and she cries, yes, of course I will. And they tell their parents and her mum starts planning the wedding and her mum starts making everybody crazy and her mum is a control freak. Can anyone see this happening? Right, maybe it's not exactly like this, but something like this certainly happened. Then what did they do? They're a young couple. They're crazy in love with each other and they did the exact thing that you would do, that Kyle and I did, and that is they started to plan their future. Now, you know they did this. Everybody does this. Now, we don't know the details of their plan, but we do know that they decided to wait before sharing intimacy until they were married. We do know that about them. Now, I'm kind of reading into this, but maybe they're planning to buy a house one day. You know, they're going to read Barefoot Investor because they don't want to get into debt. They've decided they're going to have children one day. You know, they want to have a boy first and a girl second, and they're going to name the boy Oliver and the girl Charlotte. And, and they're making these plans, and then one day, Mary's off by herself, and she has the most special and holy encounter with God of her whole life. An angel appears to her. She loves God. She cannot believe that the, this, this is happening to her. You know? and, and this angel tells her, you've been chosen. You're going to give birth to a son. And she was like, uh, haven't you heard? Joey and I, we're not married yet and we're not, you know. And, and the angel says, no, no, no. You will conceive this child by the Holy Spirit. Now, you can only imagine, this little girl loves God. She is in love with Joseph. She's getting married and her God has chosen them to be part of history. She's thinking to herself, I can't wait to tell Joseph. He's going to be beside himself with excitement. God has chosen us. And she goes and tells Joseph she's pregnant. Let's take a vote. Is Joseph excited 
or is Joseph freaking out? Excited, show of hands. Freaking out? Yeah, he's an ordinary guy. He's a regular guy. He's freaking out. And, you know, he's going, pregnant by the Holy Ghost? I'll kill him. Where's he at? You know, and, and these are real people. And we don't know how it came about. But we know that between verse 18 and 19 in Matthew chapter 1, the polite way to say it is that everything hit the fan. Let's just look at this. Now, we're reading between the lines because we don't know exactly what happened. But we can kind of imagine. Verse 18 of Matthew 1, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... Now, remember, they had a plan... But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now Mary goes off and tells jo Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant and it was the Holy Spirit. Now we don't know how he responds, but we do know that he gets really hurt and really upset. And we see the result in verse 19. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So what do we know? We know that the dude is devastated. You know, he's crushed, he's humiliated, he's heartbroken. Now, reading between the lines, he's already put down a non-refundable deposit on the Garden Chapel Inn. You know, the wedding invitations have prob probably already gone out. Now, somehow he's got to tell his mum and his dad and he's got to tell his friends. He's going to be so publicly humiliated. But worse than public humiliation is the fact that he loved her. He trusted her. He told her things that he had never told anyone before. And he believed that God had brought them together. He was saving himself for her, and now she's gone and done this. She's cheated. He's, he's half mad, he's half torn, and he just can't believe it. Now, if you'll notice in the text, it said he planned to divorce her quietly. Now, if you're paying real careful attention, you might say, well, wait a minute, they weren't married yet. You know, why divorce? And, and that's because at this time in history, if you were engaged, the only way you could break off an engagement was to get an official divorce. Um, and culturally then, a divorce was much more serious and frowned upon. Now, if you were divorced, you were almost pushed out completely. And Joseph's like, I'm trying to serve God, and now I'm going to be divorced. Let's think about Mary's perspective. Think about her. When the angel of the Lord appeared to her, according to Luke 1.38, this is what Mary said. She said to the angel, May it be done unto me according to your word. That's what she said. Now, if she were living in today's world, she would have said something like, I love God with all of my heart and I'll do whatever he wants me to do. She said yes to God, um, to what God asked. And now her life is totally over. She's pregnant without a husband. She's going to be a divorced single mum in a culture where she can't get any type of real job to support herself. She's going to be begging for the rest of her life, trying to raise this kid. And you can only imagine the rumours. Oh, Mary, Mary, Mary. You know, Joseph hates her. Her life is over. And do you know what she's thinking? She's thinking, God, this isn't what I had planned. God, I said yes to you. I did everything you wanted me to do. God, why are you allowing this to happen? God, I only try to do what you asked. This isn't fair, God. This isn't what I had planned. Now, unfortunately, this is exactly where some of you are right now. You know, this isn't what I had planned. 
And I don't know what it is for you, but maybe you were financially getting ahead and you were going to have a great Christmas for your kids and then your car breaks down and it's hundreds of dollars. Man, this isn't what I had planned. Maybe you poured your life into your kids and they were your life and everything you did was for your kids and now they're making decisions and you're looking on going, what are you doing? This isn't what I had planned. There's so many of you and I heard with every single one of you, I thought you would live happily ever after with him or with her and, you know, the happily is not there and neither is the ever after. And you're thinking, this isn't what I had planned. God, where are you? The list could go on and on. I didn't plan on having migraines. I didn't plan on battling depression. I didn't plan on fighting cancer. I didn't plan on losing my job. God, what are you doing? This isn't what I had planned. Now, for every single one of you who have had a change of plans, I hope you'll plant this truth in your heart this morning. If you've had a change of plans, I hope you embrace this truth that you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Let me say that again. Leah actually touched base on it this morning in her baptism talk. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Now, in fact, Proverbs 19 and 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but even though we have so many plans, what happens? It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Now, Mary and Joseph's plans were wrecked, you know, shattered. Joseph concludes, I have no choice but to divorce her. So he considers that. And then in verse 20, we read this. But after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wait, (laughs) what? God is actually in on this? What she was saying was actually true? And the angel says, yes. Verse 21 shows us the purpose. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, you can almost imagine Joseph going on. Wait, you're telling me that God is in on this? You're telling me that the last thing that I ever wanted to happen is exactly what God wanted to happen? You mean that there is purpose in the middle of my pain? And you can almost hear God whispering to him, my thoughts are so much different than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Even though you may not feel it, I'm working in all things to bring about good to those who love me and who are called according to my purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Now, let's think about this. Mary's pregnant with the Son of God. If I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, well, we're doing this for God. We've got connections. This is going to be smooth, right? Heavenly epidural, totally pain-free. She sneezes, baby comes out. We've got a baby. This thing's going to be easy. If only, Joseph. That is not how it went down, right? Instead, Mary's in labor, and guess where she is? Ladies, she's on the back of a donkey, Joseph is so dead. (laughs) You know, he's pulling that donkey through red lights. Come on, donkey, come on. He's running all the lights. They get to the town and guess what? He's even deader, if that's even a word. He didn't make reservations. And there's no hotel there. 
Where does she give birth? Ladies, in your dream location, in the cave next to the farm animals, that is where she gives birth to the Son of God. No epidural, no soft music, but just like that, she's got a baby. And so they're going to live happily ever after, right? Well, guess what she finds out? And this is true. King Herod wants to kill her son. Think about that. Internalize that. This is a real mum, a real dad. The ruler of your universe wants your child dead. How does that feel? What do you think Mary's thinking? She's thinking, but God, I said yes to you. And now they're making a run for Egypt. Fast forward 33 years. Mary, the mum who said, yes, may it be done unto me according to your word, God, you know I love you. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. She's standing on and she's looking at her son who is stripped down naked, hanging on a cross, only supported by spikes through his wrists and through his feet. His back is so cut open by from being whipped again and again that it's likely that his vital organs are exposed. The only way that he can breathe is to push up on the spikes driven through his feet and pull up on his hands to get a breath. On his brow is a crown of thorns. His face is so bruised and bloodied that he doesn't even look like a human being. The mother who said yes, she looks on and it's not recorded but you know what she's thinking. She's thinking, God, this isn't fair. He didn't do anything wrong. He did everything right. We did everything that you asked us to do. Make it stop. No mum should ever have to see that. And what did Jesus do? Yeah, they're spitting on him. Hail, hail, king of the Jews. You call yourself that. You've saved others. Now save yourself. And Jesus looks up to heaven and he prays. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Now Mary looks on and her son is righteous in every way. And Jesus declares with faith and with passion through the pain, through the agony. And he says, it is finished. Then he breathes one last breath and he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. The earth goes dark and everything shakes. Now, it's not recorded in scripture, but let me tell you that this did happen. Mary's legs could not contain the weight of her grief, and she falls to the ground, and she wails, and she sobs. No, my baby, put yourself there. Real people, real agony. This isn't what I had planned. Now, Mary and Joseph, they had a plan, but God had a purpose. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. What was, that part, what was that purpose? Now let me tell you what that was. That purpose was you. That purpose was you. This changed everything. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. Now people say all the time, Jesus is the reason for the season. And yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. But if you ask God what the, what the reason for the season was in his heart, it was you. 
That was the reason for the season. That was the reason Jesus came. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved you that he became one of us. You couldn't make up the Christmas story. You know, man had a plan of how the Messiah would come, but God had a purpose that he would be stripped of all righteousness and he would become a person in Jesus who was born of a virgin. This changed everything. Now, why did a virgin matter? It's because he didn't inherit the sin nature from an earthly father, but instead the divine nature from a heavenly father, and therefore he could be perfect in every way, never sinning. Dying on the cross for who? For you, for me, for us. We were the purpose. Now, Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose, and you were that purpose. Now, it was right there in Scripture, and yet so many people missed it. Verse 21, Mary will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why? You were the purpose, because Jesus will save his people from their sins. Now, if you are one of those people who have had a change in plans... Maybe right now things are really difficult and I'm not going to tell you for a moment that your pain's not real because sometimes it hurts and sometimes you just don't understand and sometimes you ache and you just want to cry out, God, what's going on? But I'm going to tell you right now, because of the goodness of God, because of his sovereignty, because of who he is, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, on this Christmas, as we talk about the birth of Jesus, please understand that Mary and Joseph were people just like you and me, who had a plan. But I thank that God, he had a purpose, and that purpose was you. Let's pray. Father, today I pray, especially for those who are hurting, They're confused and grieving. I pray that we'll put our faith in you and recognize that, God, you have a greater purpose than anything we could ever imagine. Help us to have a strong trust in you, Lord. Now, church, as you continue praying with no one looking around today, if we're really honest today, each one of us has done stuff in our lives that we're not proud of. We've made some poor choices. We've made bad decisions. And if we're being honest with ourselves then we have to admit that at times we've done the wrong thing. We've sinned. You know, we've done some horrible things and no matter how good we try to be, the truth is that our sin separates us from God and that's why this Christmas story matters. This story changes everything. You know, the story of Jesus is called the gospel and gospel means good news. This is the good news. God had a purpose. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus who was born and lived without sin so that he could become the perfect sacrifice on the cross for us. He died for our sins, verse 21, because Jesus will save his people from their sins. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away and he wasn't there. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because God had a purpose so that anyone, and this includes you, it includes me, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your life has been, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved and forgiven. It changed everything. Now, church, there are many of you, you had a plan. And you perhaps, you know, your plan is to be at church today as part of your little Christmas ritual. You had a plan, but maybe you recognize today, actually, 
I think I may be a part of a bigger purpose. I'm supposed to be here because God wants me. He wants all of me. And so you have a choice, just like Mary. She said, yes, may it be done according to your will. Yes, I give you my life. Yes, I want to do what you want, God. Now, there may be those of you today who recognize you need his grace. You need his salvation. You need his forgiveness. All you need to do is simply say, yes, Jesus, I turn from my sins and I turn toward you. And that's my prayer for you today. I want to invite you this morning to say yes just by raising your hand right where you are. If you say yes, I'm recognizing I'm part of a bigger purpose. I'm here to say, yes, Jesus, I need your grace. I give my life to you. That's your prayer. Would you just lift up your hands right now? Because I just want to lead you in a prayer. There's hands all over the place. Yeah, awesome. Hands still going up. In a moment between you and God, I just want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I just want you to pray this in your heart to God today. Do you pray, Heavenly Father, today I trust you to save me and to make me new. Thank you for sending your son to change my life, to change everything. Jesus, I want you to be first in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. I thank you, Jesus, for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, that is awesome. The team are going to lead us in two songs now, and they are beautiful Christmas carols that speak about the Christmas story. And while we sing those, I just want to invite you to do business with God today. You know, if you're one of those many people whose plans have changed, I invite you to come forward to the front here. If you're a part of our prayer team, I want you to come forward as soon as the song starts as well. We have our prayer team here, and they're going to pray with you. They love praying with people. They love encouraging people. And so just during the next two songs, you are welcome to come forward and let God minister to you through prayer and through the Spirit. So let's just stand together. Don't be shy. Don't put God off. Receive prayer. It's available to you today.